specifically celebrate Christ's resurrection from the dead. You know, studies show again and again that during the Easter season, more people are open to spiritual truth than any other time of the year. In fact, Easter Sunday is one of the two most likely Sundays of the year that unchurched persons consider visiting. They're willing to let down their guard and hear the name and good news of Jesus. So what do we do with this information? An idea. What if we slowed down just a little bit and allowed ourselves to be more receptive this year? More receptive to the heart needs of the people around us, in our church, our community, our neighborhoods, and in our homes. And in this receptivity, let's be proactive. Proactive to listen, to love, and to share Jesus. Because heart doors are open right now. For some, just a crack big enough for us to slip a small note of hope through. For others, the door is wide open. One last point. We want to encourage you to invite. Invite your friends. Invite your family. Invite your neighbors. Invite those who have no connection with the church and with Jesus. Invite them to visit your church home when they are most willing to let down their guard and listen to the good news of what God has done for them. And maybe, just maybe, this is the season and year when they'll allow Jesus to walk right in. Just invite. They are welcome here in our church home. Inside your bulletin, I'd like everybody to take out the card that's there. You'll need your bulletins in just a moment to uh, take notes for our time together, but uh, there's an Easter invite card inside your bulletin. We'd like you to share that with a friend, somebody who, who maybe is far from God or prodigal or maybe somebody you've been talking to, you haven't talked to, a family member, a friend, somebody at work. I want you to invite them to church on Easter. People are more open to attending church on Easter than any other time of the year. And there'll be more cards in the lobby that you can take and invite more people if you want. But we definitely want you to take at least the one that you have in your bulletin and invite somebody to church on Easter. We're going to be packed out on Easter. We're actually doing a combined service. There's no Saturday night that weekend. Uh, so Saturday night, it'll be in with us. We're going to invite a lot of friends and family. We're, we're prepared to set up chairs if we need to that Sunday. Um, but we want you to invite people to church on Easter. Uh, we are going to go back. We're going to jump back for that week. If you remember last year, we did the story uh, sermon series. And on Easter Sunday, I'm going to be telling the story of Jesus. And we're going to start at the beginning and go all the way to the resurrection, what that means for our lives, what that means specifically for you. And uh, the story of Jesus, it, it won't be disappointing at all. It'll be something that brings new life to many, many people. And so if you have somebody that you can invite, the choir is going to be ministering that weekend. We have some very special video presentations. Uh, you won't want to miss uh, Sunday, Easter Sunday, coming up in three weeks from today. So go ahead and invite somebody to church uh, that day. As you can tell, we're going to do something a little bit different today than we normally do, and, and I'll jump back into preaching uh, the Life of Faith series next week, but, but we want to do something a little bit different. As you can see up here, uh, we're going to have a conversation today. It's going to be more interactive, and I've invited my friend Rich Blue to join me here uh, in this series. I'm going to introduce him in, in just a second, um, but we've been in a series called Life of Faith, that we live all of our life for God. That we don't compartmentalize, we don't live, well, I'll go to church and, and I'll live for God there and, and maybe at home, but I'm not sure about work and other places. But no, we live all of our life for the Lord. And our verse has been Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17, and it says this, 
And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Everything we say, everything we do, we live all of our life for God. And so we don't compartmentalize. Good thing I don't drink coffee, right? That would be really bad if I tried to say that. But, but we don't okay. compartmentalize. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't do that with God. No, we, we allow him in every area of our life. We have to allow him in every area of life. See, I, don't, I, I can't even say it. It's so repulsive. We can't do it, okay? That's how bad. It's like a dirty word. I'm so glad we rehearsed this. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? This is going to be very free-flowing, just so you know. You know but, uh, uh, but it's, but it's going to be good because God has called us to, uh, to live lives for him, and he's called us to have... Uh, this life of faith in all of our relationships. If you look at the next verses uh, that we've been talking about over the past several weeks in, in, in Colossians chapter 3, uh, beginning of verse 18, here it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. When you look at this passage of scripture, it, it talks about the most important relationships of our lives. For some of us, we are in those relationships, and for some of us, we desire those relationships, or, or maybe we don't have those relationships, but, but relationships are the most important part of our life. God created us for relationships. And I would, I would venture a guess that everybody here says, I, I really would like a great marriage. I want a great marriage. I want a good relationship with my kids. I want a good relationship with my parents. I, I, I would venture to guess that that's the heartbeat of everybody here, that we want those great relationships in life. Unfortunately, that's not the reality for a lot of people. We want the great relationships, but they're not there. And so I talked about this a few weeks back when we were talking specifically about marriage and, and the idea that we have our, our present state where we're at right now. And we want to get to this great relationship. There's something inside of us that says, I want something more. I want to go from point A to point B. I want to develop. I want to grow. I want to transform. And, and so I know I want this, but I'm not sure how to do it. I'm not sure what the, the path is. And, and so I want to talk about that today because a lot of times, and maybe this is a guy thing, I'm not sure, but I, I, I feel like, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Just, I just need to know what to do. And if you tell me what to do, I can do it. And so uh, just, just teach me what to do and I'll do it. And so that's why I brought this good looking gentleman right here to tell you what to do, to help transform some of your relationships. And, and he's just going to talk, and, and I'm going to chime in here and there as well, um, and then I'll ask him questions and things. So it's kind of interactive here. There's nothing rehearsed, so you'll notice that it might be a, may not be the smoothest thing in the world, but never done anything like this before. But I'm excited about having Rich with us, because Rich is the founder and clinical director of CLE, the Center for Christian Life Enrichment. He's been a counselor for over 25 years. God got a hold of his life back in 1972, and uh, he immediately began working with Campus Crusade at that time, and, and uh, God had used him with that organization for many years. In fact, he became the campus director for Northwestern University, which put him in this area, 
and uh, he's married with children and grandchildren, and I just love his heart. Uh, Rich is, is not only uh, an expert, but he's a friend. He's a good friend of mine. We've known each other for many years, and I can't tell you how much uh, Rich has helped me uh, in life. And uh, so I want to say thank you, first of all, to you. But uh, I, let's just start it this way, because, again, we're just going to kind of launch here. Um, Somebody walks into your office, let's say a couple comes into your office, and they say, we want a great marriage. Where would you start? Well, you want a great marriage, at some level, it's like, are you willing to work? Right? I mean, you, you would agree that relationships are challenging. Initially, you know, they're fun, and they get started, and we get attracted with people. But I think one of the biggest things is, is that relationships are really the, the, the building blocks of the kingdom of God. Everything is really about our relationships, and they're critically important. And so one of the things, that, the tendency with relationships is you take them for granted, and you assume that they're going to kind of function. Well, they will for a while, but they begin to really wear down. So one of the things that we recognize is that the, the real test, the, the acid test of our relationship with God has much more to do with how we love one another than it is what we know, right? And so in a sense of you say you really want a great marriage, I couldn't imagine a more worthwhile goal. Right. But then there would be steps that we would want to take to be able to, you know, get there. So like you're saying, as guys, we like formulas. So, you know... Just tell us what to do. That's all I'm asking, Rich. I'm not asking for a lot here. <laughs> That's so. right. So the idea is, is probably where you'd want to begin with just sort of is looking in the mirror and assessing your relationships and beginning to evaluate just where are we. You mentioned on your diagram that this is the present state. This is where I am. This is where I want to be. Well, if we're not honest about assessing where we are in the moment, then it's going to be very hard for us to get to where we want to be. Good and, and uh, so maybe teach it how teach us how to assess that how to be truthful with ourselves. Well, I think the first thing that I would do is recognizing I would want to ask a question with the significant relationships in your life. For some of you, that will be your your husband or your wife, but it could be your parents, it could be your children, could be your friends. It really doesn't matter. I don't think that we are actually that much different in different relationships. We're still the same person, and who we are flows into all of our relationships. But I think we'd want to ask the question, to what extent am I caring, am I loving, am I serving the people that I'm in relationship with? And maybe we could, this would be a great place to take notes, just this, these things of, of assessment, the idea, am I, what were they, am I caring? Well, I would say caring, to what extent am I caring about the people that I'm in relationship with, to what extent am I serving them, and to what extent am I loving them? We, you know, in counseling, we kind of avoid the word love sometimes because it's just, it's messy, it's confusing, you know. Uh, people say they love each other. We say we love chocolate. You know, I mean, so the idea is uh, love. But if you, to what extent am I willing to sacrifice to you, care for you, know you? You know, those kinds of things. That's excellent. That's good. <clears throat> and then just give us give us some more okay. on that. If you okay. Okay. So 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 a couple other things that I would look at is to honestly ask yourself how uh, much joy do I experience in my relationship. You know, to what extent are you actually being nourished and satisfied? It's a hard question because we're supposed to. So, you know, as Christians too or seekers of God, you, you find that you want 
to do what's right. But when you're doing an assessment, you have to have the courage to look more honestly at yourself and assess to what extent is this relationship nourishing me, satisfying me, and to what extent is my partner? And you may need to ask them. That could be, you know, to just sort of take, a, take a, an inventory of that. Yeah, how do we, because those are excellent questions, but I think a lot of times we, uh, we might end up fooling ourselves, like giving ourselves higher grades on those than maybe our spouse would give or a friend would give. How, how, do, you, how do you stay Well, if you were Well, if you were in a, in, a, in a couple situation where you wanted to do it, I would say do the inventory together. And I would say, you put down how you think you're doing in the relationship, and then ask another person, that you know, your partner, let's just use marriage as an example, ask your partner to assess where they would be. Pick some areas. So to what extent are we satisfied emotionally? How, to what extent are we having fun? To what extent do I feel respected and served by you? How are we doing in our physical relationship? And rate it, maybe just use a scale like a one to five or something and say, I would give us this and, you know, and then see what they give, and it'll help you. And those, those are all positives, uh, you know, like enjoying and, you know, sacrificing. What about the, the hurting side or the, the, the more painful side of relationships? How do, you, how do you get honest with that, with yourself or with someone else or with God? Well, one of the, one of the things I find, especially working with Christian couples, is that there's a tendency to not want to hurt the other person's feelings. And so you, you feel like it's unloving or something, to be honest, but it really isn't. How can you have love if you don't have truth? And so a lot of us um, are not in a good position in terms of being willing to communicate to people we love when we're hurt, when we're disappointed, when we're angry, when we're frustrated, we're not getting our needs met. You cannot have an intimate relationship a relationship that's moving in that direction if you're not routinely having conflict. Now, if you're like me, I'm conflict averse. I, I, I hate conflict. And yet, though, I recognize that it's critically important because we are always going to be missing the mark. It is a moving process. You don't ever arrive. You know, you're not, you're not there. You're always in the process of getting someplace. So I think that that's a, a very important thing to, to honestly think, how, how am I doing? So there's two ways you want to ask it. How am I doing in terms of my relationship with you? And then asking you, you know, how you're doing in that relationship. And I thought you said something really interesting last night about this, that when it comes to getting our needs met or, or fulfilled or even working on that hurt, that a lot of times we place that burden on the other person in the relationship when really it begins with us. You know, that we're, we're asking someone else to meet our needs. Uh, we even do that with God sometimes where a lot of, a lot of times it, God's saying, I'm, I want to work on you or, or we'll, we'll leave God out and from, I'll bring God back in just a moment here because I think this all fits in our relationship with God and I'll talk about that. But, um, but, but you said it, it starts with me. I can't get my needs met from someone else. Explain right. that. The, 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 basic, the basic principle in a relationship is the principle of responsibility. And I am responsible to primarily focus on my relationship with myself. Now, initially, that sounds selfish. It's not, it's not about being selfish or unconcerned about someone else. But let's say, let me just give you an example. If I come to you and we're in a relationship and I say, Daryl, you know, I don't feel like you love me. Well, is that going to be an effective communication when I struggle deeply with loving myself? 
Do you see, love is, and again, I'm using that word, but love is really a decision. It's a choice. Am I going to be, you know, we would say, be on my own side. But there is a partnership. And so one of the mistakes we make in relationships is we see things linearly. So you start here at A, you go to B, and it ends up with C. That's not how relationships generally work. They are more cyclical. So what I would say in our relationship is, as I am growing in loving myself, then I am seeking from you the love, the affirmation, the support that I need while I'm giving it to myself. And so as I give it to you, then you're able to give it more to yourself. You give it to me. And that's kind of how the relationship works. So when we're assessing things, we're always thinking in terms of us, right? There's a sense of I'm responsible, but I'm responsible in the context of our relationship. So when I recognize what I need, I should probably start giving what I need in order to receive what I need. Yes, I think give it and ask for it. You know, don't, don't make people read your minds. That most of us feel uncomfortable, don't you? I mean, you feel uncomfortable when you say, well, I need a hug, or I know a hug's not so bad, but it, for some of us guys, it can be tough. But I mean, but, I mean you know, to just sort of, just to say, I, I, I need some attention. I need you to affirm me today. I need you to, you know, give me some feedback and acknowledge me. Yes. This is, these are hard things to sometimes talk about or even to dive into. So uh, maybe share with us some ways that we actually avoid uh, well, doing what's the hard work and then just trying to get what we need from something else. I feel like I'm constantly living my life and spending my time trying to recognize that most of the time I'm numbed out. I'm, I'm checked out. So part of the reason church is so meaningful for a lot of us is that we come in and the worship team and the pastor helps us increase our sense of consciousness and awareness. So we move from a numbness to an, do I love God more today during worship than I did yesterday? Uh, I don't know. That would be hard to measure, but I'm certainly more conscious of it because of the environment that I'm in. So if you understand that most of the time in relationships we're numbed out, then one of the things we want to do is try to identify what I call the exits in your relationships. Strategies that we use to numb ourselves from the pain that we're inevitably feeling and also the joy in our relationships. So it could be, you know, you, you, you think about it. A lot of us numb, our, you know, numb ourselves out with getting overly involved in our kids. We get overly involved in work, in hobbies, and then there's all kinds of soft addictions that we struggle with, whether we're involved with food or, you know, different kinds of distractions. So, so we're escaping the truth, if you will, with absolutely, and, and don't even know it. Right. A lot of times it's just, it's just an, an unconscious process where you just do this naturally unless you're getting support in your life that really shifts you, shifts you out of that. And I think that's, that's good to talk about because a lot of times um, some of the things that we do are good. You know, kids work, things, like, things we're called to do and supposed to do. But then we use that as an escape from of the, the, the most important Well, this is where Christians are, 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 are sometimes we're most vulnerable because we've sort of been trained to not do some of the big bad things, even though many of us still struggle with those areas too. But what we end up doing is overdoing the things that 
are acceptable and socially appropriate. And then what we end up doing is basically surviving in our relationships. For many of us, the, the big challenge was to meet our mate, to meet someone, to have that best friend or find your spouse. And then we kind of thought that that was the bulk of the work and the rest of it would take care of itself. It's just not true. Wow. Um, I, I just want to talk real quick here because we're going to we're going to dive a little deeper here in just a moment, but I want to give you permission today as, as pastor to get real honest as we, we take the next step in this conversation and to get um, honest with God, honest with yourself first, and then, then honest in your relationships, because um, we have to get to the truth. You know, we can't just, you know, sit back and, and numb ourselves out or say, you know, it's all going to work out or... You know, we have to get real honest, and um, I'm just going to give you a quick verse here. Uh, it's a verse you all know, but it's a verse that I love. Um, it says in Psalm 139:23, "Search me, O God, and know my heart; test me and know my anxious thoughts." God doesn't need to search you to find out for Himself. He already knows the deepest secrets of your heart. This is for you. This is for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And it's really, really important that we get honest as we move on in this conversation, whether it be in, in just everyday relationships of our life or with our kids or our parents or our marriages. Um, and, and, and the reason is, is because so often, especially at church, this is why I'm giving you permission to get honest here, is that we show up to church and everything's good, isn't it? Life's good. You know, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. And the reality is we're broken on the inside. Leslie and I, for the past I know, a few months, for some reason, have been encountering, and not so much within our congregation, but in, in friends, lifelong friends, ministry friends, pastors and, and their wives, and, and, and it doesn't seem like a week goes by that we don't find out of a couple that we know that are in a crisis situation. And maybe it's so bad that they're on the brink of separation, the verge of divorce. Some have even called it quits already. And, and it seems like every week we're running into people like that. And what, what makes me a little bit sad is that the last time I would have seen all these people, if I would ask them, hey, how you doing? They'd be saying, doing great. But something was rotten on the inside. And that's why it's so important. And, and this, this also goes for our relationship with God. We think we have everything clean on the outside, but the inside is broken. I had a friend uh, who had a church, and they had church in a barn. They met in a barn. And I drove over there, and uh, it was a service. was walking in, and I drove. It was this beautiful stone building. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is a... A beautiful building. It's a, it's a stone building. And, and um, so I walked in. Man, this is great. He met me in the park. It's like, uh, well, <laughs> no, it's still a barn. They had bought this, like, stone uh, that, that they just in these big panels, and it stuck it to the barn. And so it looked, like, it looked like this beautiful building, and it was still a barn underneath. And I think that's how a lot of our lives are. We, we, we look great on the outside. We come to church. We're all dressed up. We're, hey, we're happy. God's good. We're worshiping. We're singing. But inside, something's broken. And, and so I want us to go a little bit deeper. And so, um, uh, and again, this is where a great place to take notes and stuff. But, but Rich, maybe, maybe help us be truthful. Help us to get to that bottom line truth that we need in our relationships in our life and our relationship with God as well. Well, I would say the first thing is deciding, just listening in your heart even today, is like what relationship or relationships would you want to work on 
and see them transformed. And so it's really an idea of dedicating. So most change in our life only happens when we really dedicate ourselves and sort of declare an outcome. How do you want it to be? Do you want to be more kind, more patient, more loving, more understanding, more engaged? Um, the, but the first step, the kind of the keys to to really having that kind of um, relationship that you want is is a commitment to being conscious and aware. So what Daryl's saying is that so much of our life is just reflexive, and we, someone asks us a question, we don't we don't really even think about the answer. It's not even that we're consciously lying; we're just unconscious. Do you, do you see what I mean? We just sort of reflexively respond, and all we're thinking about is what's behind that person or the next thing. So a commitment to consciousness. But then the first thing in terms of what, what, is, what does it mean to be conscious and aware? Well, the first is, is that you really recognize that we always have the responsibility to be exercising choice in our relationships. We always have a choice. We're not victims. And so, you, you know, so often you just feel like, well, you know, when my wife talks to me that way, there's nothing I can do, or I'm not going to do this, or he does this to me, whatever it is. We always have a choice. And the second thing is, is that we are responsible with God's help to create the kind of life and relationships that we want to have. Dream about it. Think about how do you want your life to be? What do you want your relationships to be? And then assume the responsibility for creating that. And so it involves all kinds of things in terms of getting support, getting resources, but it begins with really increasing your honest assessment of yourself and where you are and where you are in your relationships. So instead of making the choice to check out, even though that's probably a num- that's more of a response than a, than a conscious choice, just being conscious about being responsible in our relationship. Absolutely. And I think when you look at it, uh, Daryl was talking earlier that I think of relationships, I have a relationship with myself, I have a relationship with you, and I have a relationship with God. And they're all interrelated. You ask me, you, you tell me, oh, I have a great relationship with God, I just don't get along with my spouse. I, I'm going to disagree. <laughs> I, I don't think you can compartmentalize I got that compartmentalized. I don't think you can compartmentalize you that well. Well, maybe it's just because I do it so much. I have more practice. So, but the, the idea is the relationship that I have, I used to believe in my early when I was married, I used to think, thought, think that I had this amazing relationship with God, my long, quiet times, my prayer times. And then I would come out of a, a time like that and I'd snap my wife's head off. You know, I mean, it's like, What's missing? I mean, something's breaking down, but can't you relate? I mean, it's like we're supposed to have these things or the fight home on the drive home from church. I mean, it's like, you know, it's a tough thing, but it's not abnormal. It's the way we all are, you know, all the time in terms of that. So I think that the, the concept is taking responsibility for saying that it's it's my opportunity. I have the resources. And if the litmus test, if the acid test of our satisfying God is going to be the quality of our relationships with each other, then it's a critical part of our stewardship, isn't it? To really recognize that so often we focus on not sinning, and I think the bar is too low. I think it needs to be more on what are the quality of my... Are they seeing that I have been with Jesus because of my love for each other? Oh, that's great. And, I, and that's, I just want to take a step there. I know, I know I want you to talk about... Um, 
you know, feelings inside of relationships, but I'm just going to hit the pause button just for a second and talk about that because I think what you said is, is so key is a lot of times in our life, um, we, we have a great relationship with ourself, if you will, in the sense that, hey, I get along with me. Well, okay, good for you. And, and you say, well, I have, you know, I have this great relationship with God. It's just other people I don't get along with. I just hate everybody I work with, and I hate my family. And I, it's like it, it doesn't work. I mean, God in his word is even clear about that. He says, how can you say that you love God who you cannot see and hate your brother who you can see? That that actually is a mirror reflection of who you are. And so you can say, well, I have this great relationship with God. And, and, if, and I'd say, if you don't have that great relationship with the people around you, I, I'd begin to question how great your relationship with God really is. Because it, it really is about the love that, that we share. And, and so to make sure that we're not just loving ourselves selfishly, or that we're just loving God in, in, in an image that we've created him to be, but that we can actually love our family that we can, we can love our neighbor, that we can love the people around us, shows us that, that God is transforming our life and that he is working on us. And the, and the more that I love others, the more I'm actually loving him because God loves it when we love other people. Um, so, but I, I like that. So thanks for letting me just throw that in there. But I think that's really important in a relationship with God. But maybe you could help us um, to be able to live in the moment because I think a lot of times, you know, we get into that argument um, we get into that silence or we get into that numbing state or, or whatever, and, and we're, we're so into that state, we, we forget to, to feel or know. We don't really know what we're craving at the time. We don't know how we're feeling. Maybe you could help us with that. Right. The, the thing I think of in, in my work is that the language of relationships is feelings. And if in your relationship you are not communicating at a feeling base on a regular basis, you are disconnected. You are not experiencing the intimacy. It's, you, you've learned this in worship. Have you, as you get your emotions involved, your body involved, you move around, you express yourself, there is a much deeper level of connection than if we just stood and you know, sat in our seats and just almost like spoke the words. There's something very, very critical about your emotions. And, you know, most of us don't understand it. And some of us as Christians were even taught to distrust our emotions, confusing urges with emotions. And that, well, my emotions, if I really allowed myself to feel that way, then I'm going to do something I shouldn't do or whatever. Instead, emotions are very, very important. So at, at CLE, we found, we use six families of feelings. Should I draw those up? Absolutely. So we, we call this SACHET. And it's an, it's an acronym for um, the six basic families of feelings. So we have sad, angry, and scared. Now these are the painful feelings. And then we have happy, excited, and tender. And, and those are the pleasant feelings. Now the thing to remember about feelings is it really doesn't matter what you say. It's not like a test. It doesn't matter what, you, what feeling you label. 
What matters is that you're understanding that a feeling is different than a thought. They're interconnected. So we use these things, and what we found very helpful is getting people to try to learn how to identify specifically what you're feeling. And, and why is understanding feelings important? Feelings are the language of relationships, and feelings will take you to what your deepest hungers and longings are. So we call those yearnings. So if you notice in your relationship, instead of saying you're an idiot, you know, what might you say if you were talking about what feeling you were having? Well, you might say you're hurt or you're sad or you're angry. So most of the time when we communicate, we actually don't talk about ourselves. We spend way too much time talking about you. And I think of relationships like tennis. It's like tennis, you know, when I start talking about you, it's like I'm jumping the net and I'm on your side of the court. So a basic skill is learning how to stay on your side of the court, talk about what you're feeling, and ask for what you want and need. So if you take a feeling like fear, what's the deeper yearning that fear is telling you that you need? It would be safety. You need a sense of security. You need hope. You need comfort. If you're hurt, what do you need? You need, it's a yearning to be seen, right? When you're hurt, you want someone to see you. You want someone to get you, to know you, to feel you, to touch you, to comfort you. That's good. And I think it's so important in, in the good times and the bad times to take that time to assess how you're feeling. Like when you're in that argument, and maybe it's anger coming out of the argument, but there's probably something deeper underneath, and just to say, this is how I'm feeling right now, or when I'm, when I'm numbing out, I get home, and I'm just going to crash on the couch, turn on the TV for the next however many hours, and I'm just numbing out. How am I feeling at that moment, rather than just numbing out um, the good times and the bad times, so we, that we assess our feelings, and, and one project you had is that even every hour on the hour, like set an alarm on your phone, and write down how you're feeling, just to assess and, and get in touch with how you feel, because I think the, the feeling part is so important to know what you really need, what's, what's deeper uh, going on in your life. And, and go ahead and well, talk Well, relationships, the thing that we were talking about before is that relationships are lived in the here and now. And if you are someone who has, you know, regrets, feel guilty, you feel regretful about things that maybe you wish you would have done or you shouldn't done, that causes you to live in the past. If you are more anxious and fearful, then you worry about stuff that's in the future and you miss the here and now. I believe that we're designed to live in the here and now. And what Daryl's talking about is feelings ground you in the present. And our thoughts, it's very easy to fool and deceive ourselves with our thoughts. But our feelings kind of take us, I think of it like a division problem. And the numerator is our thoughts, and the denominators are our feelings. One isn't better than the other, but you need a balance of both. And if what you're really interested in is deepening the level of intimacy, when I think of intimacy, I think of Adam and Eve, naked and unashamed, with God in the garden. And there's a sense of visibility, transparency, openness that comes. But if I do not know what I'm thinking or how I'm feeling, how can I possibly have an authentic, transparent relationship with you? That's good. It's impossible. Right. And, 
and I told you we're going to get honest today, so maybe help us, because when you look at those first three, you know, sad or hurt, because I know it's also hurt, sad, hurt, angry, scared, you know, those aren't Christian emotions. You know, we shouldn't feel those things, yet God created those feelings inside of us. And so uh, for the person who would say, I shouldn't feel that way because think I'm of a them, believer. Think of them like this. Think of them like a warning light on your car. It's all it is. It's just data. It's just information. Don't make it moral. It's not a moral issue. It's a human issue. And so if you're not regularly feeling all of the feelings, then I think you need to recognize you've made some decisions, whether consciously or unconsciously, to numb yourself out. So all it is is the light comes on in the car. The problem in my car is I have to look up what the symbol means. It doesn't, it's not terribly helpful. I look at that and all I feel is scared. You know, do I have to pull over now or whatever? You know, I mean, it's like, so you got to keep it kind of simple for me. But it's like, all you have to do is look at what am I feeling? And if I don't know what I'm feeling, then you can know you're numbed out. Because we're having feelings constantly. And especially if we're in relationship. So the painful feelings, all they tell us is not you're a bad person or you've done something wrong to me because I'm not a victim. That's what I work with a lot is that we tend to view relationships in life from the perspective of we're a victim instead of we're an active agent created in the image of God. So if I have some of these painful feelings, they're just telling me there's things I need to work on in our relationship. That's good. What, what's, maybe help us get, because you've done this for so many years, help us get to what, what are those true yearnings that we have? What are, the, what are the deepest longings? You know, those things are starting to come up in our life. We're getting angry, scared, sad, hurt. What are the things that we're really longing for that need to be met? Well, I think the core yearnings are things like to matter, to belong, to have a sense of feeling that you're loved, that your life is, you're living, we're, we're designed to live a life of significance and meaning and purpose. So these basic things, we want to be seen, heard, touched, the same things that a little baby wants, you know, in the arms of her mother. Throughout our life. And then when we have those, uh, when we discover that yearning, then to um, give it to receive it, is that the best way? Or, or should we ask for it? What's the best way to get those yearnings met? Well, I think it's a balance of both. I think it depends. You have to look at your personality. If you're more the giver and the doer, then you need to ask. And if you're more someone that orients towards letting other people take care of you, then you need to give it. You need to do it. So I think it's just sort of noticing, doing a, an assessment of your, yourself and of your relationship. And it's that oval, right? It's that cycle where you're constantly evaluating that and then moving in. But again, the big thing is, is you, 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 you need to do this in relationship with other people. It's a very advanced skill to be kind of alone in your prayer closet doing this with God. It's very valuable, but I'm saying probably the practice ground, is the practice field is our relationships with each other, and then maybe the, the game is when we're just alone with God and letting developing that kind of relationship where we can hear him and listen to him and sense him as much as we are able to do with each other. And I think that's, that's where the church comes in because there are groups inside of church. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. In, in our mission as a church, we, first of all, connect people to God because that's the most important relationship you'll ever have. But the second is connect people to people because you're not meant to be a Christian all by yourself. 
You were designed for relationship, and so you need other people in your life, and I think that's what's beautiful about, you know, we saw the video for the men's ministry, and they're having a big event, and you look inside your bulletin, and there's things for the uh, women that are coming up, and the, the youth, and the children, and it, it, it seems like everything is happening here, and there's a new young couples group that just started, and all these other things, but, but we need those other people in our life to so that we're more truthful, if you will, with our feelings, not coming to those groups with our masks on, but coming, uh, and, and I don't know, how would you express your yearnings in a group, or how would you work on that inside Well, of I would group? say this, is that if you want to work on relationships and you, this resonates with you, get in a group. I, I don't know that it matters what, whether it's a prayer group, a prayer partner, a small group, but groups are something that most of us need to learn how to be comfortable in. And so authentically sharing, but if you're, in a, if you're married and in a relationship, get in a group. There's all kinds of groups. I know so many of you from this congregation that we, you know, the church will support you in having as many groups as you need. But you need to be with other people who are fighting the same fight, right? And so if you want to grow, you need a mirror. And a mirror is other people. And so to the extent that they see you, then you can get that feedback you need. Because a lot of it we aren't going to see on our own. We need a trusted friend to be able to begin to lovingly give us feedback and help us to grow. Sometimes we don't even know. We, we think we've got well, it most put of together. The time. And, most uh, of the time we don't. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you a really important question um, and, and I, I want everybody to, to listen in on this because this is, this is kind of where my heart breaks um, a lot of times as a pastor because uh, countless people uh, come in for meetings or I go to meet them somewhere and we, we talk. And, and usually by the time someone asks for help, it, the, the train has traveled so far down the tracks that, that if it was maybe sometimes even a decade ago, they would have started getting some help. Um, and, and it's almost like, okay, we're getting a divorce, but this is our last ditch effort. We're going to come see you. And by then we're, we're, again, the road has been traveled. So it's so far down and it, it, to get back to where we need to ask for help. And I'm sure you get that in your office too. Somebody comes in in a last ditch effort, uh, for all of us here, whether it be with our children or our spouse or our parents or business partners or whatever, when... When should we start asking for help? What's, what are those, when that warning light comes on, that we can't necessarily do it ourselves, we can't do it with Well, I would say group. simple answer is now. I mean, we all need help. So it, to the extent that you need a professional counselor, it has nothing to do with it. But a friend is a, a source of help. If your intention is to go in and get support, the hard part with couples is there's just a natural tendency for us to be private and exclusive. But some of you know that with dating. I mean, it's not that comfortable to talk about it. But do you have relationships where that's what you do? Is that you try to keep each other up to date. So I would say there's no question. I remember years ago, I'm going to date my, myself now, but they used to have this ad. I forget what it was for. I think it was Castro oil or something where they would say pay me now or pay me later and they would have the car you know and it would run and they'd have it and then the engine seizes you know and stops and it was for changing your oil and it, and it was an interesting concept it's the same thing but you know what any relationship it's just a matter of how much you want to work if you avoid doing the work now then 
you're either going to lose the relationship because relationships get trashed, practically speaking. Can God heal any relationship? Absolutely. But practically, that's just not where we live. So my thing is, is recognize why wouldn't you want to improve your relationship? It would only be driven by fear and scarcity. Instead, have a vision. You know, have a vision for having an abundant life, right? That's what Jesus came to offer us, abundant life. And I think that the bar is very low for us in terms of what our relationships could really be like. That's really good. I think we do. We set it so low, and well, we're making it. And I, I just encourage you to, to find friends in the church there. You start with that. Get some friends uh, develop relationships inside of the, the groups in the church. The pastors are here for you. Uh, guys like Rich are here for you. There, there's places where you can grow and transform. And I just encourage you, uh, whether it's your relationship with your children, your spouse, your, your, your friends, life, even for you and you and God, I encourage you to, to ask for help and get the help that you need when, uh, when you need it. I just want to say this as, as we close. I'm going to have Rich pray for us in just a moment, but I just want to give you one more verse of Scripture. And, 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 and as I do, I just want, I want this to really resonate in your heart right now before you go. That God designed you for relationships. Listen to me. He designed you not to be all alone. He designed you for relationships. And ultimately, a relationship with him, but with other people as well. God designed marriage. God designed your children to be with you. God designed all these things. And if it's part of his plan, he has a strategy for you. And his strategy is found in the word. And we'll pick this up again next week as we continue in this, the, these thoughts. But, but I just want you to know, listen to me, this is really important. God is on your side. God wants you to have good relationships God wants you to start with yourself and with the relationships around you, and then ultimately with him. God wants you to have great relationships, and he's got a good plan. The verse I want to leave you with, and, and you all know it, because it's been a verse for our church for over a decade now, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That's God's plan for you. God is on your side. And you may say, well, I don't feel that right now. Well, there's two things in this verse that have to be in place. The first thing is, is you have to know God. Because God has a plan, and it's good. It gives you hope in the future. So first of all, you've got to know God. You say, well, I know God, but it doesn't seem to be working out right. Then the second thing is you've got to know his plan. You've got to know his way. And so I encourage you that, that you know God, that you know his plan, and that you walk in his plan, not just doing what you want to do or numbing out or thinking everything's okay, but really doing what God wants you to do. It all begins with the relationship with Christ, and if, if you want to start that today, we're going to pray in just a moment, but at the end of service, there's just some, some uh, welcome bags down here. They, they have a Bible and some prayers for you and different things, and, and just keep coming back. You can learn more about Jesus, but that's there for you if you, if you want to begin that relationship with God. If you're, if you're watching right now, you can, you can call or write in and go on the website. We'll send one to you, but uh, we want to start with that relationship with God, know God, and then know his plan, know his way, okay? And uh, I'm excited about what God has in store for you, but why don't we pray together as we go? And um, so, Rich, would you pray for us? And uh, let's just dedicate our lives, our relationships to the Lord right now.
Heavenly Father, thank you for the, the gift of life, the gift of relationships. Thank you that you designed us to be in community with one another. And though our tendency is to stray and to isolate and to shut down, we ask that your spirit would fill us today, that we would become increasingly aware of our hunger for more in our relationships with each other, that you would shut down our tendency to go to other things things that can never fulfill us, that you never intended to give us the abundant life that we can live. And pray that our relationships would radiate the love of you, the love of Christ to everyone around us. And we ask that you would just bless this community, that people would get into groups and deepen relationships, develop partners, prayer partners, accountability partners, get a vision for really using our relationships to become increasingly transformed into the image of Christ. And we ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we thank Rich for being with us this morning? And thank you very much. Very good. And um, uh, Rich and...